The Vikings' magical season continues. Two to go, division rivals on the road to Green Bay, on the road to Chicago, outdoors, in the elements, and trying to find that balance of can you hang on to the number two seed and at the same time get some players nicked up for that all-important first game of the playoffs and we're going to talk more about the purple and get into all of those sorts of things with tom schreier from zone coverage and tom good to visit with you happy new year yeah happy new year yeah tom what a year i mean everything that that could go right for the vikings in in (laughs) those victories has gone right yeah, if you're any team that's uh, playing the Vikings and the game's close, you got to be a little bit nervous. I mean, some of it's maybe a, a veteran team or at least uh, some, some key veteran guys there. Uh, some of it might be just dumb luck. Um, but, yeah, the defense kind of bends but doesn't break. And Kirk Cousins, situational master with the, uh, with the quieted mind. Yeah, and you, you've got first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell. And other than the – two big blowout losses to Philly and Dallas. And then, you know, the, the loss in Detroit were, were the Lions were the better team that day. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, the, the, the Vikings uh, were, were beat fair and square by the Lions in Detroit. But, but other than that, in a bunch of other games, two that definitely come to mind, they had no business winning, and they did, and, and found a way. I start thinking about, you know, is this the old – team of destiny where it's kind of like you know things really it it, at at this point you have to wonder right oh absolutely i mean i think probably that thought starts in buffalo i mean i I guess you can go a little further back if you want to but like the fact that you know um uh, the press box is situated in one of the end zones on the other side of where the throw was caught and it looked like like an arm punt functionally right and like I was like, I don't even know where Kirk was going with that ball. And then you see the replay. And then, and obviously, Justin Jefferson, an amazing player. Um, but, like, for him to haul that down, literally like a couple plays later near the cold ta- goal line, caught a pass that in any other normal game would have been, you know, the, the highlight of the week. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, again, like, I, I thought there was something underneath this team. I know 500 record in the last two seasons. But um, just the, the fact that you bring in the opposite of Zimmer, right? You go offensive coach from the defense coach, younger guy, older guy, and just a completely different disposition. Um, and I think, you know, obviously they, they great hire there, right? Coming from the McVay tree and someone who, when you talk about the quieted mind, he kind of, he knows who Kirk Cousins is. He's worked with him before. He understands, like, he'll go through the reads. He's very meticulous. Give him all the information you can get him to the line, have him process all that information, then he'll go make the right play. So, um, yeah, just I think a better environment for these guys to succeed in, and it seems like they're just rewarding the hire more than anything else. Like, hey, we'll come through for you at the end. I know it'll be a little little chancy at times, but um, but honestly, the Colts game, as soon as they got the momentum, felt like they were going to finish it off as much as that literally made history. And then with this Giants one, you know, yeah, at the end, 24-24, like you should think like, hey, this is anyone's game. But given who the Vikings are and have been all season, why wouldn't they go beat the Giants on a on a historic kick from Greg Joseph? You know, there, there is one thing, and I and I've talked about it on these airways during the Mike Zimmer era and all the problems he had with kickers, that 
Mm-hmm. If, if there is going to be a, a changing of the guard, if you will, an attitude and management style, whatever you want to call it, with, with Kevin O'Connell, I felt like it could have psychologically the biggest impact on the kicking game and particularly the place kicker. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, all the people before Greg Joseph, and, and we can run down the list if you want and think about <laughs> I mean, you think about what they spent on Daniel Carlson to get him and then to cut mm-hmm. him loose and have him turn into, you know, one of the three best kickers in the NFL, really, by any I mean, Carlson's been terrific for the Raiders. It, it had to be something because if you're good enough to kick in the NFL, if you have the leg and the ability to do that and get a job in the NFL, then, then there's the intangibles and the mental side of it. And I always felt like, the kicking problems were as much on Mike Zimmer and how he treated kickers as anything because they all came in in the back of their mind. I screw up, and Mike Zimmer is going to throw me under the bus. Well, yeah, flip yeah. side, now you got Kevin O'Connell and, and Greg Joseph. Is made, it's just a theory, but I, I, I really believe it. No, yeah. I mean, I, I think back. I don't know why I remember this above all else because obviously the, the Carlson one – you know, Blair Walsh, Kai Forbath or whatever, but Dan Bailey, like, missed a kick, and I think it was, like, the second one in a row in Tampa, and, like, there's this great shot of Zimmers on one side of the sideline, and <laughs> Dan Bailey yeah. doesn't even look at him, like, beelines to the other side, and, you know, I think for Zimmer, he was obsessed with defense, right? Defensive mastermind, and it felt like every other component was just something that could take away from the defense. Like, you make a great defensive stand or whatever, the, you know, the kicker should go on the next position and, and kick it in, or, like, the offense shouldn't screw something up and, you know, you have an interception, all of a sudden you have a bad field position. And I think, you know, what uh, – I mean, obviously, people are going to pick apart the Ed Donatel hire, but I think one of the things O'Connell's done is not only is he, like, positive and probably someone who's, who's embraced Greg Joseph, um, but Matt Daniels, a special teams guy, he has, like, a – a nickname for all these players. He has a plaque that he put in in the locker room and was like, it makes them feel special being part of the special teams, knowing that most of these guys don't really want to be there, right? Take away the kicker, the punter, long snapper. And, and um, I think to have a positive guy like that, you know, he said when he was missing extra points, well, we're going to try him from the left hash. He's been hitting the air, been in the middle for most of the season, left hash. And I think he last missed an extra point against New England in week two. And then, you know, with the with the kicking, I mean, I'm shocked that he hit a 61-yarder. It's literally, again, historic. It's also out of his range, typically, uh, Greg's Joseph's. But, again, like, I think if you're positive and you get in rhythm with the extra points and you ha- you know the coaching staff's behind you, um, I think there's something to it. I mean, Matt Daniels always kind of equates it to golf, and you're like, of course, that's the analogy. Anyone can go hit a straight drive occasionally, right? <laughs> the best players shank into the woods and then go and birdie the next hole. Yeah, it's just been an amazing turnaround uh, on that front. But I I think if we go back to the beginning, and by the way, Tom Schreier uh, joining us from Zone Coverage. uh, Vikes, Green Bay coming up on New Year's Day, 325 start at Lambeau. Two to go in the regular season. The Vikings, uh, a surprising 12-3 this year, wrapped up the NFC North and still have a a very good chance to be the number two seed in the NFC. Um, The Wilfs, when when they decided to get rid of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, I think the writing was on the wall for Zimmer, but they decide to blow it up. Uh, They they bring in a new general manager, a new head coach, and 
they felt like, hey, we're not that far away because the conventional wisdom was, all right, you're going to bring in a new GM, you're going to bring up a coach, you're going to blow it up. But they, they quickly said, no, 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 uh, we're, we're going to try and get this thing going on the fly. Mm-hmm. It is is pretty impressive. You, you have to give them credit for the way it's turned out so far in 22. Yeah, I mean, I think good organizations do that. I think there's something to the culture of it. I think we also know, like, just getting a, a high pick doesn't guarantee that the quarterback's going to pan out. It's not like the NBA where you're pretty certain, you know, one of those top guys can be a generational player. Um, it's a gamble. I mean, they, they essentially put money back into the future, right? So if this, if this doesn't work out, you know, and again, it wouldn't have to be a season like this, but you're hoping at least 10 wins, right, for it to, to kind of pay off. For them to have faith and kind of, um, evaluate this correctly. I mean, I, I understand they're playing a fourth-place schedule. I understand it's 11 games or one score. I understand some of these are literally kind of miracle, historic uh, wins or whatever. Sure. But, but, I mean, I think they showed the faith in the right players and know that they knew the core wasn't rotten, right? They, there's something there with Cousins. Like, you know, Kendrick still is a capable player. Uh, Patrick Peterson, obviously, rel- relatively new, but still has an axe to grind, we've learned. Harrison Smith still has something in the tank. You know, I think they looked at kind of the core that they had and I think these the teams that, you know, I think will build a good culture and, and build a fan base like they have here and stuff, they understand you can transition. You can kind of do both at one time, bringing in the young guys, knowing there's so much turnover in the NFL, um, but keeping guys around to say, hey, this is the standard we have, right, that, that they expect – people here expect the Vikings to win um, and that, you know, like because Patrick Peterson's on the team, because, you know, whatever, Harrison Smith – we're going for it. Like they don't have time on their side. Um, so I think it's a, I think it's a good thing all around. And honestly, had they blown this up, I mean, if you're Justin Jefferson, you go, well, what am I doing here? I'm a guy who's like, yeah, maybe sure. we'll get 2000 yards. Right. So, so, you know, I think, I think it's, it's beneficial to the young players as well. Get them in high stakes games, not just, obviously we're talking about uh, regular season games that sometimes probably are a little more interesting than they should be, but get them in the playoffs, get them playing these premier teams and show them what does it take to beat, you know, enough teams to, to get to the Super Bowl. So I, I was on board with the plan. Having said that, like it, they executed it way better than I thought they would. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I think just a playoff appearance with, with all that changeover, new general manager, new head coach, uh, new coaching staff. Sure. The, the core players are still the same, but to say, all right, you know, we're going to put in new systems, uh, new approach, new attitude, and be able to you know, division champs, and, and who knows where this ends. One other thing that stands out about this team, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Tom, as well, is even though there's been injuries and and there's been games and, and Kirk Cousins has take some, taken some shots, Mm-hmm. My sense is, is that there's been improvement on the offensive line. And, you know, one of these things, you know, going into every season, well, the offensive line really worries me. It has been better. I think there's been reasonable improvement. And, and that, that, that's been a huge positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, you know, it was weird because I actually, I guess Spielman's drafts weren't as great towards the end, but you always felt like he could kind of mine you know, the middle of the draft, even late in the draft to find guys. Um, and I never understood why, like, why he had trouble with the offensive line. And, and I think, you know, to be fair, some of these guys are Spielman's guys. Maybe it's better coaching. Maybe it's just, you know, functionally it changes scenery. I know they're on the same team, but, but a whole new regime. Um, 
regardless, it seems like you got five. I mean, the fact that Bradbury's been as good as he is, and it's not like the organization was yep. fully bought in on him. Um, Derisaw, obviously, you can tell when he's when he's missing. I, I thought it was funny, Dalvin Cook on the on the screen that that uh, tied the game against the Colts. He said he actually kind of ran out of gas, which is obviously like this world class athlete. <laughs> but uh, but um, you know, sprinting down there, and Ezra Cleveland just goes and kind of gives him a little boost. And I was like, hey, these guys can make a play down the field too. So. Um, it's been huge. I mean, I know Cousins, especially in that Washington game, but he, he's taking hits to make plays. Um, and, and having said that, I mean, this is going to be so vital because you can even go back to week two and like Philadelphia realized, hey, it's really hard to cover Justin Jefferson, but if you go get Cousins and don't give enough time, it doesn't matter. And so um, it's so, so crucial. And, and again, like one of those, you know, it's easy to tell when the receiver does his job well, a little harder with the O-line, but, but I think we can all tell they're a little better this year. Yeah, and and that that was imperative for them going forward. Concern is going forward, and really a final thought, Tom, defensively. And Mm -hmm. look at the numbers and and the fact that they've been Mm -hmm. able to outscore teams and and find a way to win football games. Ultimately, no matter what happens over the next two weeks in Green Bay or at Chicago, you Mm -hmm. get into the playoffs, and and they're going to need to be better defensively that you know ultimately they're going to be able to or or going to need to get more pressure on the opposing quarterback or it could be a very quick out there has to be some sort of improvement in in that area yeah yeah and it's a little hard to decipher because again there's there's so many moving points like that the fact that you overhauled the whole scheme, right? The the fact that like he doesn't really have his own guys, but he he has better. I mean, you should be able to do something even with like a Jordan Hicks and certainly a Harrison Smith or whatever. I mean, you've seen some improvement from Bynum, but again, it's even hard sometimes to evaluate like player development in the in the um, you know with what's currently going on. But yeah, they need to do more than bend but not break. That will we know this will succeed against a fourth place schedule. Like you, you can kind of hold it close and Kirk go win it. Right. You know, Greg Joseph, go win it. Uh, Justin Jefferson, go pull off a miracle. But I think, you know, we know like there's teams that have just straight up, you know, you talk about the lions. You, you obviously talk about um, Dallas and, and that, that early game against Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, and I think you can look at, I know it's not the playoffs, but I think we got to look at this game a little differently against Green Bay. Green Bay's favored by four, I think, or three and a half. The Vikings have only been underdogs four times. Three of them are the losses. One of them's a miracle in Buffalo. So, you know, like this is a test here. Like, what do you look like out there in Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers, who now has some chemistry with some of his young guys and, 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 um, good running backs again. We'll have to see who's healthy and whatnot. But um, this is maybe a little sneak peek into like, hey, how would they? Will they hold their own? Because they'll be tested. I mean, they might be even tested by the first round opponent. But again, there'll be teams that can straight up break you, can straight up put up points. We know that. And and so yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you can do within a season, but anything matters. The you can't give up four hundred and, and you know, kind of these gash plays and stuff like that. So. Saw a little improvement against Indianapolis, although Indianapolis is pretty bad. A little bit of a setback against the Giants, which is concerning. However, still have two more games to kind of prove you can get it together. Yeah, and definitely a good test. And Green Bay still in it uh, and still a lot to play for uh, in that New Year's Day tilt, 325 mm-hmm. at Lambeau Field. Tom, good to visit with you. Uh, once again, uh, zone coverage, uh, how, how do people find all the great content there? 
Yeah, zonecoverage.com. We call, cover all the Minnesota pro teams. You can go to zonecoverage.com slash Vikings, find a new piece of content every day. And, um, yeah, a lot of different angles, whether you kind of want to look at a film breakdown, analytics, or just kind of straight up a take and what people are thinking. But um, all wonderful writers here and a lot of talk about with, with this crazy Vikings team. Yeah, and as we move forward, it'll be good to visit with you again soon. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, Tom Schreier, once again, joining us from Zone Coverage, talking bikes. And, yes, the latest, the game opened at 2.5, Green Bay favored over and under 45.5. The latest uh, shows Green Bay by three. Uh, the over-under has jumped to 47.5, 325 tilt Sunday New Year's Day at Lambeau Field. Vikings 12-3, and three, Pack 7-8. and eight. Uh, Still a lot in front of both of these teams, even though the Vikings are in, the Packers aren't, but could take a big step to the playoffs uh, with the W. They, they, they pretty much need to run the table and get a little help uh, to get into the postseason. 7-23, it is the Lake Show. Steve Thompson in for Henry Lake. Jonathan Lowe is our producer here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. It is the Lake Show. Steve in for Henry tonight, normally on Saturdays. Fill in for Henry on occasion. Timberwolves continue their trip in New Orleans tomorrow night. Uh, Henry before the game, pregame 6.30 tip after 7. Henry to follow with Timberwolves tonight. And then uh, Henry back, full show Thursday. And then the Timberwolves wrap up the trip in Milwaukee against the Bucks. On Friday night, and uh, same deal, Henry at 6, pregame 6.30, and the tip after 7 o'clock. Timberwolves at Target Center Saturday night, Detroit in town to close out 2022 on New Year's Eve. One of the stories I wanted to bring up, J.J. Watt, now with the Cardinals, uh, basically says he's going to hang it up after this season. That, that is one of the stories around the NFL, and you know, cer- certainly a, a big name, but it, it just goes to show, you know, it, I, I can't believe, you know, a guy like J.J. Watt's ready to hang it up at 12 years in the league. That is a long time playing in the trenches, Jonathan, in the NFL. I'm sorry, say that one more time. What were you well, saying? Just J.J. Watt, yes. you know, hanging it up. You know, 12-year, great career. Probably headed for the Hall of Fame, but, you know, it just goes so fast. You, I, I, I remember when he came into the NFL, had a huge impact, and now, you know, he's, he's getting ready to hang him up. He, is, he has been a big-time defensive player for a decade. And think about this. I, I was about ready to leave and come in here, and I had it on CNN, and that story just happened to be crawling across the uh, bottom line of, their coverage is right around 5 o'clock, so I turn it on. Uh, after that, I turn it on ESPN real quick to see if they had covered it. And of course, they were uh, covering it. But he's he's made a major impact in helping to build a franchise into relevancy in the, in the Houston Texans. Yeah. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep it going. They couldn't think about if Deshaun Watson, all his – baggage right now, his current baggage aside, think if he had come into the league five years earlier where J.J. Watt was in his prime, that might have been a Super Bowl contending team. Yeah. If if those two careers could have synced up. But 
this is the other thing that people forget. His work during Hurricane Harvey, his humanitarian and charitable work during that crisis, was one of the biggest feats of charity I can remember in my lifetime by an athlete. It was incredible. Yeah. Well, in in you know, I, I brought up Hall of Fame, no doubt Hall of Famer, but you you look at you you can put them right alongside Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor, one of Watt is one of three players to be named the defensive player of the year three times. Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor, the other two. So so that that's definitely rare air. Um and and now playing with the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, yeah, look, looks like uh, the end of the line for for one of the greats, J.J. Watt. And you know he's he's one of those guys who could get into acting or, or certainly get into you know tel- the television side of the football business. I, I don't think there's any doubt there will be multiple job offers waiting for J.J. Watt. Those commercials that he had with his brothers, yeah, a few years sure. ago. Yeah. hilarious just yeah, awesome stuff. those those commercials were just great so jj watt uh likely headed into retirement and then ultimately canton ohio and it, it, the, the denver broncos just just you know got got rid of their head coach and <laughs> um the the talk quickly turns to we're gonna bring in a guy that 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 can can fix Russell Wilson uh, is, has been the, the the fallout of the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. That uh, you know we're not giving up on Russell Wilson. No, they got too much money invested in Russell Wilson to give up on him uh, out in Denver. This this season has been uh, a nightmare for the Broncos. I'll All say, right, we got a break. I'll say this real quick. Um, I am not surprised. I actually will do something I never do ever. And that's to give the Denver Broncos kudos. I don't want. The, I was hoping in my mind, with the rivalry mind, that he would stay in Denver for the next ten years. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be awesome. But this was a smart move. I I would have been surprised if he made it to the end of the season. More surprised if he made it to the end of the season instead of what happened yesterday. Yeah, it, it, no uh, surprise around the league that uh, they're looking for a new head coach. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk Timberwolves. Chris Hine covers for the Star Tribune. Uh, we knew it would be a tough trip. Uh, they finished at home with the loss to the Dallas Mavericks and then played pretty well for three quarters in Boston, and then there was the game in Miami last night. And now New Orleans and Milwaukee loom on the trip. We'll get into that with Chris here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. 20 minutes now in front of 8 o'clock here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. Jonathan Lowe is our producer, Steve Thompson, hanging out. Timberwolves uh, have dropped three games in a row. And they, they had an opportunity to to sweep that homestand. Well, in the, the second game against Dallas, they, they let one get away. Mavericks pull away. It, and really it came down to the Mavericks hitting some open threes late in the game and the Timberwolves missing some open threes. I, I didn't know if it was much more complicated than that. Dallas gets out of town. Unfortunate, though, because the Timberwolves had a very difficult road trip looming. 
at Boston, at Miami. And we know how that's gone. 0-2 so far on the trip. They've dropped three in a row. And then they go to New Orleans and Zion Williamson playing pretty well. And, and the Pelicans have been a big surprise in the NBA uh, this season for sure. And then the Milwaukee Bucks to close out the four-game trip before getting back to Target Center. And the, the Timberwolves missed an opportunity because the Heat were shorthanded. I know Carl Anthony Towns is out of the lineup. I know that. But uh, Miami w- was even more behind the eight ball last night. And the Timberwolves couldn't find a way to get it done. I, I don't know if it was disinterest or uh, just one of those nights. But it's extremely frustrating I think for Timberwolves fans to, on occasion, see a terrific effort and and get a win, and now the Timberwolves are just kind of, once again, in this tough stretch, and you got to wonder, when are we going to get some news on Carl Anthony Towns, and when are the Timberwolves going to eventually live up to their promise of this season? Now, I know there were no promises made before the season, but new president Tim Connolly gave up a ton, gave up a ton of picks and players to the Utah Jazz to get Rudy Gobert. And when this team was healthy early, they didn't look very good. Now we've heard the excuses, well, Cat didn't have a full training camp and we weren't able to get on the same page and so on and so forth. And then the injuries. And the big injury to Cat. And there's still no timetable for his return. And now we're getting to the point, in my opinion, in this Timberwolves season, where I think you can start to panic a little bit. And I I think it is reasonable to start to panic. They're two games under. You get the Pelicans... In New Orleans tomorrow night, 6.30 pregame, tip after 7 o'clock. Henry, before and after the game here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. And then you go into Milwaukee. Underdogs Wednesday night. Pelicans are 21-12. and 12. They're legit. They're legit. And then you go into Milwaukee, and we know what problems Giannis and the Bucks cause. And now all of a sudden you come home and you're 16 and 20. You're four games under 500. And then you get Detroit at home, team you should beat. You should beat. That that should be a W if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. I, I, I mean, you have to have it. Because if you don't, then you're five games under. And then let's let's peruse the schedule just a little bit further. Once again, no timetable for Carl Anthony Towns' return. But when Cat was in the lineup and they were healthy, they were dysfunctional. And they were a disappointment. So then you you lose to Detroit. Here's what we get going forward out of that if you're a Timberwolves fan. 
Monday at Target Center. That that's next Monday night, Denver. Week from Wednesday, Portland. A week from Friday, the L.A. Clippers. Then, on January 8th, a Sunday, a week from this coming Sunday, Houston down at Toyota Center, and then you make a trip to Detroit. Okay. And then it's Phoenix, Cleveland, Utah at home. So so then then you get to the halfway point of the season. What are you? Handful of games under 500? And we still have no idea when Carl Anthony Towns. And now all of a sudden, the, the, this idea that, oh, for sure, this is a top six team. This will be a top six team. Now it's like, can we sneak into the play-in tournament by the end of the season? And And that's why... It, it's almost time if you're a Timberwolves team or a Timberwolves fan to start to panic. There's time, but you get into the new year, you get to the halfway mark, and you're not even near 500. All of a sudden, you know, you, you got a mountain to climb. They're 11 right now, two games under. Um, not, not worried about the teams behind them. Oklahoma City, the L.A. Lakers, San Antonio, Houston. San Antonio and Houston aren't even trying to win. Uh, the L.A. Lakers, uh, they're a mess. Oklahoma City has been a bit of a surprise and have given the Timberwolves trouble. But, but they're another team that, over the long haul, not trying to win this year. Um. That, that's where it starts to get scary. And you, you look up at Denver, up at New Orleans, Memphis, the L.A. Clippers. They're the top four. You, you got Phoenix. Sacramento has been a surprise. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, Dallas, Luka Doncic, uh, the Utah Jazz after a hot start have fallen back. Maybe there's a team that the Timberwolves can eventually overtake. But... You know, I don't know about you, Jonathan. I want to get a qu- quick thought. You know, is it time to start to panic a little if you're a Timberwolves fan, the way things are going right now? Because, once again, at this moment, December 27th, we have no idea about Cat and and when he might be available. Thought, yeah, that- maybe, um, because... Even when you get Cat back, you explained it a little bit earlier. For sure. You don't you haven't gelled as a lineup. It's been inconsistent throughout the season, whether Cat's been on or off the court or D'Angelo Russell's been on or off the court or Rudy Gobert has been on or off the court, uh Jaden McDaniels, uh a bunch of these guys that you depended you're depending on for the season. No matter whether they're on or off the court, there there just hasn't been consistency in a positive way. So now you you talk about that stretch from now until the second time they play Detroit. Yeah, you'd say they'd be favored in what three of those games at Detroit, 
home to Houston, Houston uh, at, at Houston, I'm sorry. at Detroit, and yeah, but, home to Detroit, at Houston, and at Detroit. That'd be it right now. Yeah, based on what I see between now and and the halfway point of the season, then you get Phoenix in here on January 13th. And if memory serves, I think that's a halfway point. I'd have to look it up again. But my point being is, is that. At the end of that Miami game last night, and we didn't have a Timberwolves tonight last night a- after the game, and, and we'll have that tomorrow night for you. Uh, Henry will be in following the, the Pelicans game, and then, then, of course, Friday night following the Bucks game. Um, it, it is starting to get into one of those things where it's like all these high hopes. I mean, before the season, I was thinking, you bring in Rudy Gobert, I know you gave up a lot, but, you know, with, with, with the, what the Timberwolves have, you know, th- this should be a top six team. They they could flirt with, you know, top four in the NBA's Western Conference. Well, now it's like I'm thinking they get cat back at some point. And when is that? Is that sometime in January? Is it in February? You know, can this team get to the point where they just get into the play-in tournament? It is now what I'm thinking at this moment. It's still December, but... Uh, the the missed opportunity in Miami becomes very frustrating. Final game of the homestand against Dallas, and that game against Miami last night, you know, th- those those aren't good signs. Because, in my opinion, you still have the talent to compete with Dallas. They split, I get that, but last night, Miami was shorthanded. You know, you know, Jimmy buckets, bam, out of the lineup got to take advantage of that and they didn't quick break we'll come back it is the lake show steve in for henry tonight henry back uh, tomorrow night ahead of the timberwolves and after the timberwolves here on news talk e3o january start of a new calendar year obviously start of a new tennis season first slam the australian open and novak djokovic is down under remember the big thing uh, last January when uh, he wasn't allowed to play in the Australian Open and ultimately left the country because he refused to get vaccinated by COVID-19. As countries relax COVID-19 rules and vaccination requirements, uh, Djokovic is down under, will play a tune-up event, and is getting ready to try uh, for his 10th Australian Open title. Won nine of those things. Uh, if you're wondering, Rob Hill Nadal won uh, the title a year ago. So Novak Djokovic down under and good to go. I don't agree with his stance. I, I've been vaccinated, but uh, the Australian government does relax their restrictions and uh, Novak good to go. Sure is a great tennis player. And uh, expectations are he will be received warmly down under or receive the news and weather warmly at 8. 